This week, we're transitioning from book one to two of the Hideous Laughter podcast playthrough of Carrying Crown. We do a creature feature feature on some movies that are inspiring our dive into book two, creature feature, episode 33's Phase Spider, then answer some listener questions. I'm your host, Steve, in studio with your GM and my co-host, Griffin. Roll a will save. You're in the zone of truth. And we're back. Welcome, everybody, to episode four of The Zone of Truth. Hey, episode four, man. Welcome, Griffin. We made it past three. I know. I thought we were going to stall out after the Holy Trinity, but people wanted to hear it, and we're back. That's like two months of Zone of Truth, man. It's been a while, two months, man. How my life has changed. Wow. How's it feel to be running a podcast? It's crazy. Um, I've seen a lot of heads turning uh, when I go down the street um, at the grocery store. People recognize me. I go to the gym and people are like, damn, son. You they said re- Zone of Truth guy, Steve. You're weak as hell. You probably report a podcast. <laughs> you probably stay inside on a gorgeous day watching movies and recording a podcast. Uh, Yeah, that hits pretty close to home because I stayed inside all day long watching movies for this show for you, our listeners. And so did everybody else. How are you doing today, Griffin? I'm doing great, man. Yeah, what are you it's, drinking? I'm having a Smirnoff Seltzer right now. It's the berry lemonade variation, but pretty much all day today I've been drinking Bloody Marys. Oh, yeah. That's usually a morning drink. <laughs> Not for me. <laughs> bloody's in the morning, bloody's in the evening, bloody's at supper time. You know how we do it. As for me, I'm drinking a Truth. This is an IPA from Rheingeist Brewing. It's very tasty. How fitting you'd be drinking a Truth on the Zone of Truth. You know, I didn't even think of that. Boom. Roll fucking will save. (laughs) As for other people that need to roll will saves, it's not just me in the studio. It's not just me and Griffin in the studio. There are three other people in the studio with us. You know them. You love them. They are the other players on the show. Emily, Haley, Brooks, say hi. Hello. Hey, hey, hey. Oh, Jesus. I didn't even see him there. <laughs> yeah, I, we, were, we, were, uh, we were trying to sneak this one past you, Griffin. Whew, Jesus. Uh, it's a whole nother show with these guys on. Yeah. Book two, guys. We made it. We did. Whooped. All, like, uh, all together. Super, like, crazy that all of us made it because it was a solid couple of weeks of somebody's going to die. Yeah, and Ikmer's, his confidence is sky high. I would say Brooks's confidence is sky high. I would say <laughs> That's you should different. take it down a notch. Different. Hey, take me down a notch. What are you drinking? Ooh, this is a rum and orange vanilla Coke, but this time there's a little bit of Rockstar, I don't know, non-carbonated orange recovery or whatever they call it, just to add a little bit more orange. I was I was missing out on that a little bit before. So... Are you known as the Gasoline King now? Because mm. that sounds like a very Gasoline King type of beverage. Okay, it's not that much orange. It's mostly rum and coke. Let's be honest. I'm rubbing off on you. Don't try and fool yourself, Brooks. <laughs> my wife. My wife, ladies and gentlemen. My wife, everybody. Speaking about his <laughs> wife. Emily, what do you got for us today? Oh, wow. You're so studious, you saved the crack for the start of the episode. I had to. This is a cherry, truly. Nice, nice, Guys, nice. I, 
I do have to cut in just a second because she's really taking one for the team here. Cherry is least favorite of all. It mm. is. It is. But I've had a few already today, so it's tasting better. <laughs> here we go. Here we go. Very fair. Glad to hear it. Haley, what are you drinking? Oh, you know, the classic Captain and Coke. That is a classic. And speaking of the Captain, it's time for us to turn on Sirenscape because I'm not going to forget this week. What we're uh, what wow. we what we are playing <laughs> is off the high seas subset. Um, this is going to be speeding through the waves. Wow, just speeding through them. Yeah, we're we're hauling ass, speeding through the books. Feel the wind through my hair. Wow, yeah, speeding <laughs> at a breakneck pace. Only thirty two episodes for one book. Listeners, can here we come. Keep up. Here we come, listeners. We'll hit uh, the end of it in three years. <laughs> so. Uh, as we established a couple episodes, I think on the regular show, before we start each book of this campaign, we are all getting together on a weekend and watching some movies, one good, one bad, to you know, kind of get us in the mindset for each different theme of the six books of this adventure. Are well, we? Yeah, because they're very different books. Mm-hmm. Are we really? I didn't notice. Oh, you thought we watched those two for pleasure today? I mean, we normally watch pretty bad movies. You're not wrong. It's true. That is true. What movies did we watch today, guys? We took a we took an imagination journey into the world of the Green Mile, and then we all fell off the the rails of that imagination journey and landed in a land of gargoyles and pain, which was I Frankenstein. I'll let the listeners at home decide <laughs> decide for themselves which one was the good movie and which one was the bad movie. <laughs> yeah, Tom Hanks really took it down a notch. God, tell I you really what, sucked. I think he should have just won an Oscar for like the faces he made when he was pissing with that urinary tract infection. <laughs> sure, sure, Griffin, sure. All right, so the Green Mile and I Frankenstein. Griffin, would you like to reveal at this time what the theme is for book two? So. If you guys haven't already read the title of book two of Carrying Crown, it is called Trial of the Beast. Takes place in Lepidstadt, where you're heading. If you hadn't put two and two together, there is going to be a Frankenstein-like creature in this book who may or may not be on trial, who may or may not be on death row, some might say. Mm. And it may or may not be up to the players to finish out his sentence or win his freedom so early early prediction we're gonna send him to death and then his soul is gonna be trapped with eclipse oh perfect <laughs> well as no. we learned from my frankenstein uh, frankenstein monsters don't have souls uh but they have the potential for us the potential for a soul <laughs> so i picked the green mile because it deals with the implications of death row what a guard might be thinking in that circumstance, what inmates are thinking in that circumstance, and the moral quandary when you find out that someone on death row maybe doesn't deserve to be there. I picked I, Frankenstein, because it is about Frankenstein. Equal equal amount of thought went into it. (laughs) all I knew about it, except that I knew it was terrible. So without further ado, let's fucking talk about these movies. Man, between the two movies, I loved loved the both of them. Yeah, I did. I did. So, has anyone around the t- the table seen these movies before? I had seen neither. I think I had potentially seen both, 
but not sure on I Frankenstein. I know I've seen Green Mile. I mean, times. it's such a memorable journey. I can't believe you wouldn't remember if you'd seen it. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I really think I might have. I That's have. <laughs> I have not seen either of the movies before, including Green Mile. I know it's been on my list for forever. It was an experience. I'm not going to lie. It was. Yeah, like three bit, hours long. Yeah. <laughs> well, that too, but just really like heart wrenching, man. It's rough. Emily, you see either of those movies before? I had not. And actually, when you said we were watching I Frankenstein, I was thinking Young Frankenstein. Oh boy, were you in for a surprise? Uh, that's a whirlwind of emotions you yeah, must have gone through when we I, turned I Frankenstein on. I was disappointed. So I've seen The Green Mile many times. And when I found out that most of this crew had not seen it, it was a must watch. I Frankenstein literally had Frankenstein in the title. Really should have picked Van Helsing. <laughs> or like any other thing that has Frankenstein. Young Frankenstein would have been a good call. Would have been a really good call. I had not seen it, and I regret my life now. Jesus. <laughs> Your whole life The now. whole thing. The whole thing. Oh, Shut man. it down. Shut it down. This podcast is over. If that says anything about I, Frankenstein, go out and rent it at your local blockbuster. <laughs> <laughs> we were more a Hollywood video family myself, but what can I say? All right. So we need to get into these movies a little bit. The Green Mile came out in 1999, starring Tom Hanks. Classic movie, but I'm sure there's some folks, like some of us around the table who are listening, who have not seen it. Griffin, can you give our listeners a little bit of a uh, synopsis of the movie? Well, the first thing I'll say is, if you haven't seen The Green Mile, go fucking pick that movie up. Do yourself a favor. It's a great movie. Absolutely. If you're looking for just a night in by yourself, like... Some tears. Some tears will be had. It's not a party type of movie. But it's absolutely to watch. Don't watch it if you're feeling depressed. That too. (laughs) So The Green Mile is, it basically follows Tom Hanks is a prison guard on death row. And they call the death row the Green Mile because of the green floor tiles. It follows this character named John Coffey who is this massive man of very few words kind of low intelligence doesn't seem to speak a lot and when he does it's not anything profound that he's really saying he gets accused of killing these two young girls and put on death row the whole story revolves around how this man as kind of childlike as he is ends up having these magical healing powers you basically find out that he can he can cure cancer he can he can remove diseases he can bring people back from the brink of death and he can share his memories with others he basically is completely innocent and you have to deal with the guards knowing that he is innocent and having to go through the motions of executing basically a miracle worker it's Insanity, and you you meet some of the other death row inmates that weirdly become kind of sympathetic characters, which sounds really weird because they shouldn't be, but it happens. It's that kind of movie. Everybody is really close to the movie. I mean, most of the movie is shot literally on the cell block. It's kind of like a... If you think about 
basically the emotions each of the characters are going through. It, it really runs the gamut in the movie, and I love it because I really wanted something that would portray the emotions your characters are going to be going through in book two. Well, I mean, the movie was, I think it clocks in at something like three hours and change. It's oh, like yeah. My brief synopsis is nowhere yeah. near scratching the surface of what the movie is actually about. But, but we, we spent the majority of the afternoon watching this movie, and it went by in a flash for me. It was really fucking good. It was so good. I've always really enjoyed watching it. It's a very emotional mo- movie. It has, like, its points that are also funny. Uh, it, it literally, I feel like it goes through every sequence of emotion that you're supposed to be able to feel in a movie, which feels, I don't know, it feels very complete. It's a three hour spent of like, you go through the range, every range of emotions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean the Mr. Mr. Jangles, Mr. Jangles comedic character. I I think he really pulled the whole movie together. He might've been, I'm surprised Tom Hanks got an Oscar for that one because Mr. Jangles, because it should have gone to the mouse. It could have gone to Mr. Jangles. I mean, what other mouse lives for 98 years? Amazing. You know who's a who's the trainer because they deserve the Edward Delacroix. <laughs> well, I who knows? Oh, who's the, who's the actual mouse trainer? Not yeah, the one in the, the movie. <laughs> <laughs> who's the guy that trained the fucking mouse in the back scenes? That somebody, guy, that guy, that guy needs work. a medal. He's, he's somebody the had to. Somebody had to. That's all I have to say. You're trying and to belittle the fact that that mouse is a professional actor, Brooks. I, like he needed not, the training. That's a lot of work. <laughs> You know, I, you know, here I am being really, I'm, I apologize to all the, uh, the mouse actors out there. Yeah. That's really bigoted against mouses. And we're going to lose at least half of our mouse fan base over this. (laughs) You know, Stuart Little, fantastic actor, uh, Ratatouille, man, can't have, yeah. (laughs) Apologizing. Um, Mousetrap. Yeah. The mouse mouse mousetrap. You can't even name him. Oh my Did god! What a, what a hollow! <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, true. Truly great mouse work. Um, but it, it's a it's a heart wrenching tale. There's there were some times that I was pretty beat up watching this movie. Yeah, it was hard to watch like while drinking because, well, hard for us because we usually like to house them when we're watching. And honestly, like. Of the two movies today, that made me want to drink far less. Yeah. Um. Well, for me, it made me want to drink a lot more because it was just that sad. Because you were that sad? It was just that sad. Man, come on. I don't know. The shit with Dell always gets me. Every time I watch it, I... Uh, oh, it was... Don't get me wrong. It was rough to... Like, emotionally, it was a roller coaster. They absolutely played it so well, like the ups, the downs, the the the, the angry, the the sad, the like sympathetic. Yeah, and I had read the Stephen King book, which is why I think it's one of the best adaptations of one of his novels, and it's really true to the book. I mean, for the most part, it does a pretty good job following what happened in the book. I'm surprised they kept all of the mouse stuff in, <laughs> but that's all in the book. And I just like, I really wanted you guys to watch it, absorb it, and kind of think about how your characters might act in that kind of situation. Are there many distinct differences from the book that you remember? 
Not that I can recall. I did read the book a really long time ago. I think there's just more development with the prisoners. Sure. Which would happen when you... I think there were actually more prisoners, and you get a little bit more with that first guy that gets executed really fast. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's probably six prisoners in the book, if I remember correctly. So I think they just kind of cut that down because... You're never going to develop that many characters in a... I mean, maybe you can in a three-hour movie. Yeah, and it, it, it's a big book, too, right? Like, Oh, I, I mean, it, it's, it's not huge. It's not one of his I bigger novels, big. but I think it's it's like three to 400 pages. Wow. What I can't believe is that Stephen King went from this and eventually went to Dreamcatchers, oh. which... It's on the list of bad movies that we've watched. Dreamcatcher is rough. I don't know that that's really his fault, though. Like, have you read Dreamcatchers? It's just, it's Stephen King syndrome where a lot of his books get adapted really fucking poorly. I mean, even, like, the first It was not very good. You know, that's a good point to make. I I haven't read the book, and I don't think I should entirely judge the uh, the movie based on that, but... I have only seen the movie. Well, that's so, the one where and, things yeah. crawl up the dude's ass, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe not. Classic. We're not movie. gonna. We're not gonna. No spoilers here, but maybe. Maybe not. It's a Green Mile. I think we all liked it. We need. We. You know. We. We've got another movie we want to talk about. But before Absolutely. we move on to that, um, let's go around the table. Just some final thoughts on the movie. Let's. Let's also rate this movie. You know. What. What do we think? And I was coming up with a rating system before this. Um, for those of you who have seen the movie or maybe read the book, you'll know that when you're putting someone in the electric chair, there's supposed to be a wet sponge that bet- that goes between your head and like the device that's delivering electricity to your brain. And so you it- don't catch on fire. Exactly. And so if the sponge is completely dry, it's going to be a very painful, fiery death for you in the electric chair. But if it's very wet, uh, you will we'll die quickly. And that's good. So um, from one to five levels of sponge dampness, how damp is your sponge uh, for this movie? Brooks. All right. Um, let, me, let me just get this straight. The five damper the better. The, the damper the better. Okay. It's like uh, most then, then, then five. Great movie. No doubt. Very soaking wet sponge for you. Haley, what do you think? Yeah, I would agree. Uh, definitely, you know, soaking wet sponge already dipped in the bucket totally wet yep okay emily would you soak the sponge or would you leave it to dry (laughs) at first i thought it was pretty dry it took a little while for me to really get into the movie but by the end it had me completely at full wet sponge i think the real rating system of this is are you a percy or are you a paul (laughs) that's a good question love the description i'm just glad that your sponge got progressively damper God bless your parents. Dear God. Griffin, is your sponge wet? Dude, my sponge basically lives in a pineapple under the sea for this movie. God damn. It is as it lives underwater. I love this movie. That's why I wanted you guys to watch it. I I think it's a masterpiece. I would watch it again in a heartbeat. Yeah, it's a long ass movie, but and and kind of like Emily, I was a little damp. At, well, not quite damp at the beginning. I was pretty dry, 
I, I at, at the beginning I thought that there was like a lot of stuff that maybe could get cut out in like post and editing, but it actually all kind of tied together. Um, it did a, a phenomenal job. Honestly, it's a 1999 movie, but I feel like it could have been shot like five years ago. Like it looks good. It's a period piece. It takes place in the 30s, so like that always gets me jazzed up too. In Alabama, uh, dude. Yeah, in, in Alabama, there's there's some really. Uh, Really good southern accents. A lot of use of the word boy. Yeah. That's <laughs> questionable. Questionable. Um, some hard H's on what? What? Um, but overall, I would say I, I've got a soaking damn sponge over here. I thought it was a great movie. Pretty much as wet as a sponge can get. So, yeah, so overall as a group, uh, everybody's sponge. damp. Yeah, everybody's, everybody's damp, damp, right? Yep. Nobody's burning alive here because all of our sponges are damp. Okay. We also watched another movie, I, Frankenstein. Is there someone around the table that could give me a little bit of a synopsis on this movie? Oh, yeah. I can do that. Okay. So what happens, right? In the first, like, five minutes or so, that is the entire book that Mary Shelley wrote, Frankenstein, the classic, the, like, great book that was written, right? Yeah. Now, after five minutes, throw all that fucking shit out. We get into gargoyles versus demons. That's what we get into. Frankenstein, no soul, just wants to be normal. Gargoyles, gargoyles and demons both want to control him. Flash forward 200 years. 200 and we, years. <laughs> 300. Are, 300 years. It's actually 200. Looked what? it up. Yep, That's two centuries. 700. Okay, never mind. Anyways, 200 years into the future, we're now present fucking day. More scientists want to create uh, Frankenstein under control of demons. But why do they want to do that, Haley? Demons want the bodies to put uh, put demons in them. But what about the gargoyle order? Uh, the gargoyle order fucking hates demons. So now we've got demons versus gargoyles, and they both want to use Frankenstein. Frankenstein now has short hair, and it's a whole thing. He, like, falls in love with a human, I'm pretty sure. And can then, you, can yeah. you explain to me why gargoyles? What um, are gargoyles doing in this movie? Now... They would like to get help from archangels. Uh, they are not angels, yet they do ascend to the heavens when they die. So who the fuck knows why it's gargoyles? Nobody, uh, including the writers of the entire script. Yeah. So anyways, there's my synopsis of <laughs> fucking Beautiful. Well done. <laughs> I mean, that's as good as we're going to get. That was, I absorbed more from that than I did the actual movie. I, we, were, we were talking during the movie, and... Really, there are two speeds to this movie. Like, hard, deep, long exposition and, like, stupid, bad CGI violence. It's either one or the other. And it does not let up. I wouldn't even say CGI violence. It's, like, a one shot and then all of a sudden demons turn into fireballs. Or There was a lot of fireball cast in that movie. Yeah. Or gargoyles turn into a beam of light that goes straight up. And, and literally, when you have the lights in your room closed, blind your fucking self when you're watching the damn movie. Remember when the screen turned entirely white when the first gargoyle died? Yeah. That was, that was absolute bullshit. Can you imagine seeing that in the theater? Now, I could. I have to ask, because I know, sorry, I know Emily has also read the book. There's a fucking hold up. Oh my what? god. Wait, no, the real book. Not real. The, the real oh. the real life oh. good book. <laughs> that this is was a classic. The biggest revelation on Zone of Truth of all time. How truthful was it to Mary Shelley's Frankenstein? 
the first like 30 seconds and then it just went for it it was <laughs> way way out there imaginative is yes. the uh the soft way to put it how many sexy gargoyles were in the original book it's been a while since I've read it, because it was back in high school, but I'm pretty confident that there was zero. <laughs> was the what? book also weirdly religious, but not too offensive? <laughs> Can't say that it was, but it, I read it in public school, so... Oh, they might have edited that shit out. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm? yeah. Separation of church and state. But were there holy symbols that instead of using a cross, had two more lines... <laughs> bisecting the cross to make it seem like it was not the holy cross. Oh, yeah, because those gargoyles definitely weren't angels. Definitely not. Well, they said that several times, that they were not angels. Mm -hmm. They only died in a beam of holy light and ascended to fucking heaven. And had holy water at one point, too, that they were going to burn a demon's face off with. How you know, they did do that. That yeah. happened. Yeah, and also, I don't think it was exactly fair that the demons are still called demons. Maybe, like, I don't know, draconoid lords. I don't know. You got to call them something different there, to that, really separate. Really, that, that right <laughs> there was more clever than the people writing this movie thought. <laughs> Brooks, you and I were on the same fucking page for the first forty minutes of the goddamn movie when we thought the demons were fucking vampires because they were killing them with goddamn stakes. That's right. And then actually, the the last the last uh, thirty seconds of the movie was a real bonding moment. I would like to say it was. <laughs> We both called out oh, that so, there was going to be so, a... so Somebody see if we can find, like, that actual text online. Somebody oh Google this. Oh, my God. I'll look for that. Okay. Oh, I found it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Pull it up. Can you please deliver this monologue to our listeners with the, with the Aaron Eccleson voice? I'll do my best. We all didn't ask for the lies we were given. But each of us has the right to defend that life. I have fought to defend mine. And when the forces of darkness return, you shall know that I am out there fighting to defend yours. I, descender of the demon hordes. I, my father's son. I, Frankenstein. That's fantastic. Oh my god. I'm sorry. Was that? Oh. that was beautiful. That was so beautiful. Oh man, you got me really good. Griffin's crying. Perfect. Oh man, that was so perfect. Dear God. Amazing. Oh man, thank you so much for bringing that into my life. Arrow card. Arrow card. The truth arrow card. Dear God. So, yes, we. Uh, that happened, but it, it ends on this terrible monologue where this dude Frankenstein is just standing on top of a building in the I middle of the night. I thought that was pretty good. It, it, <laughs> that's pretty I mean, good. anyone who's listening can imagine exactly what that scene looks like with Emily doing the narration. Superimpose Aaron Eckhart's face <laughs> over Emily's face. And it says, I, Frankenstein, fucking credits. No, I think, End of the movie. Yeah, it's, that's exactly it. It wasn't even his face. That was just, like, blank screen. on a roof? Was <laughs> no, on a roof? I don't even think that was him on a roof. Like, he was like, on a panned roof. out from him yeah. on a roof. He said, I, Frankenstein, and he wasn't he even in the fucking frame anymore Teeny, tiny. <laughs> so that was a joke of a fucking movie fantastic I'm i sure. think our rating scale this time should be 
I actually have a good one. Demon, maybe? I, well, I was thinking that in the movie, there's a character, Gideon, who um, the, the, the camera keeps panning back to him, and he has something on his back. And earlier, he was seen using these goofy-ass knives. Um, God damn it. Then at the Gargoyle <laughs> Cathedral, he... He takes this thing off his back. It's a giant stick. He stabs it into the ground, lets go of it. It's just free standing in the ground. Takes out two knives and puts them on either side of the stick, making an axe, which he uses to, against the demon horde. So my rating scale is how far would you assemble Gideon's axe? Just the shaft or maybe the shaft in one blade or the shaft in two blades? So it's a one out of three. It's a one, one out of three. three. <laughs> Brooks, um, how much of Gideon's axe would you assemble for this movie? Uh, based on exactly what we thought of this movie and how we were watching it, I would say three out of three based on the fact that it was a bad, bad. Oh, you would assemble the full axe. That we expected it to be bad it was, and it, it was delivered. Bad. It was yeah. bad. It was fun bad. That's it the was. other part. It was pretty fun bad. That's true. Yeah. Haley, as someone who uses an axe very often in the show, I realize you may have like a conflict of interest here, but how much of Gideon's axe would you assemble? I'll give him one knife, maybe. Oh, so the one shaft knife, and the knife. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Two out, of, two out of three. Two yeah. out of three. Mm-hmm. I will say, by the way, um, Googled this, 5% oh. on Rotten Tomatoes. That's actually pretty generous. <laughs> that's what I thought. Oh, man, that's fantastic. That makes it all the better. <laughs> Jesus. Emily, how much of Gideon's axe would you assemble? I wouldn't assemble any of it, actually. Oh! oh. <laughs> Zero. <laughs> After our rendition in this show, I feel like you Wait. got it all. We could do a better job. Yeah, you you don't. Like, I can do the voiceovers. Haley <laughs> has the whole plot. Wait a so. minute. Wait a minute. Um, I think we have a very, like, great opportunity to assemble the just about entire cast right here. Yeah. I mean. I uh, call the uh, Queen of Gargoyles. Damn it. Called. I mean, you have the hair for it. So <clears throat> that makes sense. That makes sense. I would like to appoint Steve as the uh, the head of the Demon Lord. Oh uh, yeah, I do look old as shit. <laughs> yeah, you look, you look like trash. So. I yep. wouldn't. I wouldn't say. I wouldn't say that. But with a little bit of uh, eyeliner, yeah. I think I think you got it. Like in a good way. In a good way. I'll I'll just get super super drunk the night before we shoot this uh, hypothetical movie, and then when I wake up looking like a corpse hungover, it would be perfect time to shoot. Man, all right. Well, you heard it from him. Yep, Griffin. How I much think that with axe? this idea, like, I was initially only the shaft in. I was yeah. only going in with the shaft. But if I could have had that last scene with Emily's voice superimposed over the scene, yeah, that's gonna be a complete axe for that's me. That's a complete axe. That's a full axe. That's a class yeah. axe. Oh, good. This one's really tough for me. Um, it was very fun as far as bad movies go. Um, it was terrible, but it was kind of. I almost would have preferred it without the exposition dumps. Like, honestly, yeah. that really didn't give me a lot. It felt like I thought the exposition dumps were comical. I'll tell you what, I'm gonna give this movie the shaft as well as one dagger blade to make half an axe. Um, I thought it was a lot of fun to watch with a couple beers in me. I I can't give it the full 
axe, but it was very good. Um, it's really going to give <laughs> Green Mile a run for its money. Yeah, what's the what's the axe to sponge dampness conversion scale? Oh, jeez. <laughs> That's not fair. That, uh, That's not fair. Apples to oranges. Apples, apples, apples different, to different oranges. Different rating skills. Can't, gotta say. So now that we've talked about I, Frankenstein, I feel that I am ready for book two. And we did record one episode of book two already. The end of that episode saw the party fighting uh, a, a completely new foe, something we've never seen before, something we've never seen the likes of before. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a creature called the Phase Spider. And now we're going to move into our creature feature. Creature feature. Thank God we actually had a combat in these I two know. episodes. The fans were thirsting for it. Guys, they don't want that RP. The Phase Spider is such a fucking cool enemy. Yeah. I mean, you, you did, you did ex- like, your tactical decisions in that combat were exactly what they should have been. Ready in action until that thing pops out of the ethereal plane. Because a phase spider is a CR5. It's actually not that difficult until I throw the advanced template on it, which I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, normally, it's at like a 17 AC. It's got 51 health. It's got decent saves. Its will save is probably its weakest one. But it's got this, like, 40-foot move speed. It's got this poison that does con. And, I mean, even the base creature, it's a DC-18 fort save, which is pretty beefy for you guys, honestly. I mean, yeah. I don't I don't know what your saves are looking like exactly, but I, I wouldn't imagine anyone besides Ikmer is really rocking a hefty save because as a fighter you definitely get more to your fort save it's got two really cool special abilities so i'll talk about the first one ethereal ambush so you guys notice this thing coming in and out disappearing reappearing a phase spider that attacks foes on the material plane in the surprise round which it did can take a full round of actions if it begins the combat by phasing into the material plane from the ethereal plane. So that's a juicy little tidbit it did when it attacked you guys. But its real bread and butter is ethereal jaunt. A phase spider can shift from the ethereal plane to the material plane as a free action and shift back again as a move action. The ability otherwise identical to ethereal jaunt. So basically this thing is becoming fucking ethereal. Which is different than invisible. It can move right through you guys. It can see you. You can see things on the material plane when you are ethereal, but you have limited vision. It's just like this really fucking cool ability. And on top of that, you know, unadvanced template, it's hitting at a plus 10 and a 2d6 plus 7 damage. Advanced. Plus 12, 2D, you know, it's like it was hitting you guys for beefy, like 17 to 20 points of damage each time. Really cool creature. I'm, I'm kind of surprised they put it in at this point. Not that it's too difficult for you guys, because it obviously wasn't, even when I put the advanced template on it, but just it, it, it seems a little bit out of place, I guess, sure. with, with kind of, and I think they, I think. Paizo likely has to put some stuff like this in between the books as you guys are traveling because there's not exactly an easy cutoff like, okay, ghost, 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 Frankenstein, 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 Frankenstein. <laughs> it's it's not an easy transition, so I think they're doing, you know, outside of the box, creatures like this are really cool things that they can throw in. 
Yeah. I have to say, space fighters are such a classic. They are such a classic enemy going back to like D and D. They're they're really they really are very like common. I know we had played against them in Skulls and Shackles. They're like a a, a common one that gets like kind of thrown into uh, weird situations like this. Yeah, exactly. It's like it's like I don't really see a phase spider as like a horror adventures type of enemy, but to your point, it's like you know it's logical as a creature that is often thrown into campaigns like this to kind of just toss them in here. It's the right it's the right difficulty level for your party right now. You say it's the right difficult for our for our party, but I've heard you a couple times throwing out the words advanced template. I as a player know what that is. I know there's a lot of people at home that don't know what the advanced template quote unquote means. Sure. What, what does that mean for the people at home? So advanced template is kind of like I mean it's almost like you're giving a it's not quite a class level, but it's kinda of like a class level that you're giving to a creature. It basically just beefs them up, and it pretty much improves almost everything they have by two. Uh, it improves their health by a good margin because it's improving their con. So it's something that I I value being able to throw it onto creatures. I In the past, I've thrown it onto some of the flaming skulls that you fought and that kind of thing. I just think it makes the combat a little more fun when it's... I mean, because let's be honest, 4v1 is never really good odds. Sure. So if you beef that enemy up a little bit and it has abilities like Ethereal Jarn, I think it makes it a little bit more fun to deal with. And you guys are on this long road trip. I'm not really... I don't know if you're concerned about like being able to rest. You're going to fucking be able to rest. So it's not like... Throwing an advanced template on a creature now is really like... It's not going to game Gunning to kill it, yeah. you. Although I feel like I could have killed Lyra as, you know. Emily, you were targeted by this phase spider quite a bit. We talked to, kind of alluded to tactics a little bit during the episode, I feel. How was that combat for you? It was a little rough. Uh, taking that poison damage really hurt, and then it affects her ability to save because it, it lowers her uh, save against the poison every single round. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, that's that's the shitty thing about four saves at target con is that you're just going to be weaker and weaker against saving again. Fortunately, you had some high roll. I think everybody had really high I mean, you're the only one that actually had the effects of the poison. Yeah. Uh, th- thankfully, it didn't spread to the, the whole group. But I think Lyra's tactic of wanting to try to get out of melee range uh, definitely worked against her at certain points when that to get out of melee range so she could like cast a spell or something she had to remove herself from the party and then was targeted on the next round yeah, and had to move around again the ethereal plane right next to you yep i do want to briefly touch on the tactics this fucker employs though because it has this ethereal jaunt we saw it with lyra it really tries to attack enemies that are alone it was trying to use that like voice trying to mimic the mimic poppy that you were looking for in order to spread you guys out you guys figured out that it was false and kind of tightened up but it really wanted to get you alone what it does is it really ambushes people out out of the ethereal plane hits them with that poison and then waits for them to die 
And if there are multiple people, it just hits one, moves over, hits another, hits another. If there are multiple people bunched up, though, which is what we experienced, it goes for the person that is furthest away because it doesn't want to get clustered and get, you know, full round attacked by the fighter or whatever. <laughs> They're interesting because they have like a like a female head. Like they can speak. They're they're intelligent. They're really cool creatures that kind of live in this between of the planes and just like ambush and kill people. But that's enough on the phase spider. Cool enemy. Where are we heading next, Steve? Griffin, I'm going to tell you where we're heading next. We're going to some listener questions. All right. Um, like kind of standard, these are all pulled from our Discord channel for Zone of Truth questions. Um, if you have anything you want us to answer on air, please drop it drop it in there. Um, if you are on the Discord, if not, just like shoot us an email, hit us up on Twitter, DM us. It doesn't matter. We'll pull your questions basically from wherever, but it is easiest for Zone of Truth questions to be in the Discord, but I digress. Anyway. And we like Discord people more. (laughs) It's not wrong. Our first question comes from username Rusted Chrome. Our boy. Our boy. What can I say about Rusted Chrome that hasn't hasn't been said already? Like, legitimately one of my favorite people ever. I've said that about a lot of people on this show, but he is good people. Um, he, he's the one that, that created all our like nightmare before Christmas fan art. And oh man, th- this guy's the best. And he chugged a hams for us and sent us a video of it, which is really cool. Yeah. Way faster than Steve can chug it. Too. Absolutely. Uh, man, put me to shame. But anyway, I digress. His question is he wants to hear a top 10 list of our personal bad movies. I thought this was incredibly appropriate because we watched I Frankenstein tonight. We're not all going to do our 10 top bad movies because that would take way too damn long. But we're all going to touch on some of our favorites. I'm going to kick it over to Brooks first. Brooks, we watch we watch a lot of bad movies together. What do you like, man? Well, to be honest, Steve, I just want to quick get on the fact that if we are all going on two movies that we like there is two four six eight ten oh so we're all gonna this is this is something that uh i really should have thought of <laughs> <laughs> yes that's very easily divisible math man crazy how that works anyways uh my best bad movie meaning that it is the most like fun to watch after you've had a few beers and it is like really like fun fun to watch you can make fun of it and it is enjoyable throughout is howling to your sister is a werewolf the reason why is because it's a real like awkward type of funny like an awkward funny level and it really has like the makeup that they have in that movie is awful 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 (laughs) awful. so so awful that it's funny even though you can still kind of tell that they're like werewolves don't they kind of look like monkeys in that movie or something oh it's really portray a werewolf very well they might as like they might as well have put a werewolf mask on a monkey suit Thoughts about the werewolf uh, orgy? Thoughts about that? Ah, you gotta see it for yourself, fans. <laughs> gotta see it for yourself. <laughs> is, it, is that a is that a full axe or just a shaft? 
Full X. Full X. It's hilarious. 100%. It's like the the sim- it's a very simple story, but it's really crazy. Like the actors you've never heard of them before except for Christopher Lee. Exactly. Who I didn't know exactly who that was at first, but he's from Lord he's uh Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Uh, Saruman. Yeah. And but also, all all. like, uh, he's a sir, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he's yes. a knight. Yeah. Like, the dude is super accomplished. Why the fuck is he howling to? He he was like a spy. I think he was a spy in World War II or something. Yeah, dude. And he, he's, he, like, legit a badass and a phenomenal actor and in this absolutely bullshit movie. Count Dooku from Star Wars. Um, also, has, has anyone has, seen that? I don't think any of us should. Uh, <laughs> but he, oh, what's a Star Wars? He also he also has two metal albums where he just like growls in his deep ass voice. Fantastic. Welcome to the what, what Christopher man. Lee fan cast. What a man! What a man! All right, you got another movie for me? I do. I have my worst bad movie, and that is no doubt. Like, there is bottom, bottom of the barrel, absolute, absolute worst that I cannot stress enough. We've seen a lot of bad, very, like, yep. Steve and I aren't actually avid bad movie fans. And Second Sight is so, so hard to watch. It's, like, literally irredeemable, man. Absolutely. I get I absolutely when we watched it I got nauseous. That movie fucking sucked. One hot All right, and I think I've brought quite a few points that make it the the reason why it's the worst. What are those it points? <laughs> it is because like they are there is terrible acting from known actors. But like I, not in a funny way. No, it's no. Just oh, absolutely. And then that, that's like that's kind of the worst that like chafes you about it is that you know that they could do better <laughs> you and could do better you guys could do way better i give this a d and i i think that brings up a lot in the at the time the writing uh, there was a writer strike and so the writing was awful 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 that made the story absolutely bonkers everywhere everywhere and that was it, the one where like the dude goes into like psychic seizures when he's like yes. when he's telling he's like a medium or whatever for the police and he literally just gropes every female on set we'll get to that we'll get <laughs> to that. oh god i didn't know that was the third point no oh, well anyways yes like these Actors and actresses know what they're doing, and the writing still still steered them to a terrible, terrible decisions and everything like that. But to your point in the roping and everything like that, it overall left me just dirty, like feeling dirty after just watching it. Not fun, not uh, like enjoyable, not funny. Like, yeah, very, not dr- quite very, sure. very dry sponge. Very, yeah, very dry, dry sponge. Very, sponge. very, dry, very sponge. dry sponge. Very dry sponge. All right. SpongeBob, that episode when they go up on the island. 
Goddamn. Uh, I, I, I second both of those choices, Brooks. Howling 2 is a fantastic bad movie. Second Sight is a fucking trash movie. I would not recommend anybody to see it. But speaking about other things I wouldn't recommend. Haley, you got bad movies for me? <laughs> gotcha. But nailing these transitions. So great. Um, yeah, so my... Like, I have to go with the very... the Like, the classics, right? So, the first movie... Like, the first bad movie that I ever watched and, like, that that was it. That was, like, I was sold from then on. Was Evil Dead. That, that is... That's not a bad movie. What it, are you fucking saying right now to me, Haley? It is an absolutely amazing movie. It is bad. I'm, gonna, I'm about <laughs> to get angry. I'm about to get angry. I'm getting heated over here. Somebody take my mic. <laughs> I will say, I mean, just, like, watch it again with some fresh eyes. It is, I love it. I love it. I love watching it. There's a movie that I will, like, if I am homesick, I definitely want to watch it because it makes me feel better, but it, it's it's not a good movie, realistically. Bruce Campbell is a fucking Saint Haley. I know, You I take know. it back. He's an amazing person, and I love him, and I love the entire series. You take it back. It's a bad movie. So then the next one is the, uh, just an ultimate classic, Troll 2 Fucking love that oh movie so much. It I'd agree with you uh, if I wasn't so busy being angry at you right now. But I thought that was a good bad movie, though. Yeah, they're really both did. good. Oh, we didn't okay, have to. Okay. You didn't have to pick a good, good, and a bad good. I'm glad it's, you did. It, okay, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. If I understood the question, it's top ten. So I have my just top two. I didn't think about getting a, a worse, but yeah, those are my top two. I, they're they're like literally they're the ones. They're my classics. Like I go, I will go to those, and if anyone wants to get into bad movies. Those are the ones I recommend. I mean, the fucking scene where the kid pisses on everybody's food <laughs> sold me in Troll right? 2. No, no. The <laughs> corn on the cob scene. Oh, corn on the cob. That is oh. it. I remember... Haley, can you explain to me when trolls show up in that movie? Uh, in fact, trolls uh, don't exist in that movie. I can talk way too much about this movie, so I'm going to stop myself now. If you want me to talk way too much about it, please message me. I can't wait to tell you the full story of how it was uh, made. That's exclusive content on the <laughs> Hideous Troll 2 podcast. You know, I think we... I'm pretty sure Troll 2 gets played every so often in certain places. I think we should definitely go see it. Oh, again. like in theaters? Yeah, there's yeah. yeah I'm dude. pretty sure they yeah. Yeah. yeah, I would love to do that. Yeah. Hell yes. That makes me want to go, oh my god. Um, but moving on. <laughs> Great one. Thank you. Uh... <laughs> Speaking of, oh my God, here's Emily. my wife. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> that's not the transition I was going to do. It's not well, the transition the city that's needed, the, that's but it's the transition what it that I did. All right, well, <laughs> you know what? Take it away, Brooks Campbell. Uh, transition. Yeah, speaking of, oh my God, here's my wife. <laughs> oh my God. All right, I have three movies for you. Two good that I enjoyed, and one is my all-time worst uh, bad movie ever. Let's start with the good. So, my two good movies. I have Spice World. Oh, wow. Because that movie was fun. Wow. You know, I did have I did have a I did have a quite bit of fun with that. It's high on my list. It is. I really enjoyed it. Uh, it's very superficial, just really goofy, but I enjoyed it. And that's what I look for in goofy. bad movies. Great great description. There's there's nothing close to a plot in that movie, no. but it's goofy as fuck. It's hilarious. Oh yeah. 
There's also a bit of an alien presence, but the, oh, we're not yeah. going to touch on that. We're not going to go that deep. <laughs> There's aliens in Spice <laughs> Jesus. Uh, the second one for me? So my second one is Holiday in Handcuffs. Oh, fuck. You liked it, that one. I did. So it's an ABC Family movie. And oh, I remember. Hallmark. I think Hallmark. it's ABC Family. ABC Family. Really? Yes. And I lie. I lie. So I we actually sat down and watched, I think it was Steve Brooks and I, mm-hmm. and we start playing this movie, and it's so familiar. I just was thinking to myself, I know I've seen this movie, and I have watched it with my mother, and I enjoyed it both times. Wow. Uh, there is... Bravo for admitting you have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, I... I love Emily's mother so, so much, but this makes a lot of sense. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Got her. All right. Bad movie. Bad, bad movie. All right. I would not recommend anyone to watch this. It is called Ninja Terminator. Stop it. That movie's so good. It so is good. Literally a montage of like ninja cutscenes spliced together. It has almost no plot. There's like exploding robots, people with a lot of eyeliner, and there's like these totems that are getting put together, and then people are dying, and there's a lot of stalking. It it makes there's no a sense. camouflage ninja. I feel so betrayed. A uh, camouflage camouflage ninja in plain sight that apparently is not seen by most. Yeah, so I'm gonna betray my 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 boys over here and. Fully agree with you on that oh, one. God. Wow, Thank you. I could uh, I not stand that fucking movie. You know what? I it wasn't fun for me at all. I am not giving you my Golden Ninja Warrior. I never asked for it. <laughs> the, the podcast. Put that back in your pants, Steve. <laughs> the podcast is divided right now, and house divided. It is really, really learn who you can trust. Really hostile. It's extremely hostile. We literally right have now. fault lines in every one of these picks. It feels like. <laughs> It's like somebody's like, that was a great movie. Don't put that on the shit movie list. You know what? In all of these faults, I think I think we can all agree upon the fact that we can all have faults. Speaking about a man with faults, Griffin, you got a couple of picks for me? It's a good one. You got me. Thank you. Uh yeah, I do. I my first pick is Escape from LA, which I just had a really fun time with. It's a super campy, just full balls-to-the-wall action movie in L.A., the only free city in the United States of America where the government is controlled by the government. Kurt Russell, baby. Kurt Russell, dude, with an iPad <laughs> shooting threes. <laughs> Fantastic. It was, I mean, it's just really fun. It, it's one of those movies where there's explosions and they look like garbage. There's just fucking road warrior bullshit happening in LA. It's it's a good time. I recommend watching it. I recommend getting very drunk beforehand. My second one is Repo the Genetic Opera, which I might get a little flack for because I know it has a cult following. It is not a good movie, folks. It's <laughs> a fun movie to watch. It is a musical. That's why it's called the Genetic Opera. But it's like in the future and basically the Repo Man harvest organs from people that that buy like designer organs in the future and when they can't pay up he's like well 
you're a super fast beating heart. Uh, I got to take that back. Sorry. So he basically just kills everybody he repossesses the organs from, and it's somehow a fucking opera. That's not the, like the Jude Law movie from like 2012 or something, is it? I don't know if Jude Law's in that. It's the chick from Spy Kids. There's a there was a Jude Law no, movie no, no, where no. he did that exact thing. Oh, that's a movie. Repo Man is a movie. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, this one's got the chick from Spy Kids. I oh. don't know her name, but really, all right. Yes, she is in it. You know, I can't really. I could not name any of the other actors. I haven't seen it in a little while. All in all, I don't. I have not seen this movie, and I'm sad I haven't. Intrigued? A little bit intrigued? They, Even they, though it is your worst bad movie? Oh, no, no. It's not my worst bad movie. It's oh. another one of those bad movies that I highly recommend watching. I just consider it a bad movie because, I mean, the premise is so fucked. It's not going to be a good movie. It's just, you got to, filmmakers, you got to realize, like, I'm making this to be a fun bad movie. Get over it. Ooh, fun bad? Oh, it's so fun make, bad. Fun bad does not make a bad movie. 100%. In my mind, like I know the 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 logic is a bit skewed, but if you write it right, it could be very fun to like to watch. And I think that's why this movie kind of has a little bit of a cult following. Like it's just the premise is so out there. Everything that happens in this movie is completely, like, bonkers, but it is what it is. It's a fucking musical, and people like it for what it is, but objectively, it's not It's not some sort of masterpiece. It's, it's literally an opera about an organ harvester. Exactly. So. so, speaking of not a masterpiece, Steve. Oh, you got him. You can stop. Because I have some good bad movies. I don't have any bad bad movies on here. I've got plenty of those, but I want to talk about some of the movies that are closest to my heart. Yeah, I was kind of hoping we were like making a list for some of the listeners to actually watch. Although that is great for the sadists out there to get the really shit movies. Yeah, yeah. Stay one hundred percent. Stay away from Second Sight. No matter what anyone says, stay away. So. My good bad movies are, one, Con Air. That movie fucking rocks. Fantastic. It is electric guitar the entire time, a insane cast, Nicolas Cage, John Malkovich, Danny Trejo, Dave Chappelle, Steve Buscemi. Do I need to keep going on? It is fucking great. I have seen that movie more times probably than any other movie, and... I am hopelessly addicted to Star Wars, so that's saying something. Yeah, it explains your relationship status. Ex- but, um... Tsh- Con Air? Yeah, watching Con Air so much. Oh. I would uh, rather watch Con Air than go on a date. Little, little Lady. Did you know. Man. Yeah, I've got problems. But uh, my other good bad movie, um, I'm going to hop in here and actually just pull out an entire franchise. The Fast and Furious movies are so fucking fun to watch. Are they great? Probably not, but I have crazy nostalgia for these movies, and the action they just keep intensifying the action every single installment. I'll tell you what, my ass is going to be in a movie theater seat when Hobbs and Shaw comes out this this summer. No I, one will blame you. I'm no so you. stoked. Steve, I gotta say. What? I have not seen any of the movies that you have listed. 
Not a single Fast and Furious, and I don't know what Con Air is. And what the fuck is a Star Wars? I have seen all of Star Wars. <laughs> Do not get on me about that. I've seen every Star Wars. But right. I, 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 think, I think I've been pretty clear. Con Air is great. You should watch it. And all the Fast and Furious movies are perfect. Wait, wait a minute. Uh, Steve, what I'm up? just going to have to jump in here. Haley, start with the fifth uh, Fast and Furious. Yes. And you're good from there. Watch five, watch six, go back to the beginning, watch one through four, then watch seven, then watch eight. Then this, kill yourself. This makes no sense. Nope, that makes no, no, zero just sense whatsoever. On Cap okay. Corona, stick it up your butt. You're good. That's basically the whole plot of the movie. I would not say that, but I would say that after after five, they know what their fan base is, and it gets ridiculous. You know, notably from the movies, you have lines like, you can have any beer you want as long as it's Corona. Fuck that. Or, I don't have friends. I have family. Also and, not true. And to some of us... Our family is the furry ones we keep around our house. Our next question comes from user Azak of Opportunity. <laughs> that's a good one, dude. He's getting better. Boom. That's good. That's good. Someone that's good. can actually host a show. Little did I know, I had it in me the whole time. All right. So Azak of Opportunity, um, good friend of ours on our Discord, he's asking, I don't know if this is a zone or truth material, but do you all have pets slash animal friends? Hyphen. Please interview them on Zone of Truth. Hyphen. Actual Zone of Truth question, colon, can please cast, I'm assuming he means can you, can you please cast your five animals as the five murderers of Harrowstone? I love this question. I don't have any pets myself, but Haley and Griffin have four. Uh, Brooks and Emily have one. That's five. Five murderers. Debate. Let's go. Let's hear it. All right. So I want to set the stage here by kind of describing our animals a little bit. So I will go I will go into a little bit of detail about mine and Haley's four. And then uh, Emily, if you want to talk a little bit about Beak, that would be great. So we have Finn. He is a dog. He is a deaf dog. He is loud as fuck for a deaf dog. He runs all over the place. He barks at people all the fucking time. He doesn't know he's being annoying, but he is. We love him. He's pure white and uh, basically Dennis the Menace of the household. The lopper. You think he's the lopper? I don't want to get into that like yet. Crazy. I want to. I want to get the. I want to okay. get the. I want to get the uh, explanation of the animals in first, and then we can all kind of rob and rob in this. Marcy, our non-deaf dog. She's kind of like a mix between a beagle and a uh, border collie or a Aussie or something. We have no idea. Little girl, really smart, really sweet, always seems like she's anxious or nervous or (laughs) it's really funny. She gives you the eyes, doesn't she? She like, she gives you, she sure does. She gives you these like, I'm sad or I'm stressed eyes. And it's like, you've literally gotten like all the treats in the world, run outside for an hour, like hung out, nothing's wrong. Everybody's cool. Still looks like she's stressed out. These real, like, stressed out, like, why haven't you pet me in the last five second type of type of eyes? Oh, yeah. She likes to do the, uh, you're sitting next to me and you haven't touched me in approximately 10 seconds. Here's the paw 
on your arm. <laughs> like, fucking move your arm over here, idiot. So that's Mars. And then we got Moo Cat. She is a little black and white cat. She's our smallest animal. She's also the animal we've had for the longest. What's she, about four now? Yeah, four, four or five. Four or five. She's also deaf, so we have two deaf pets. Uh, but she is a sweetheart when she wants to be and a standoffish jerk when she wants to be. And she kind of goes through these phases of I can't get enough of you, I want to rub up on you, or fuck you, I don't want to be near you. So She kind of rules the house That's kind of like how a cat acts, I feel like. You know, cats are kind of one way or the other. She also likes to lay in the same fucking spot for 16 hours, and it, like, scares me, and I have to go check her to make sure she's breathing. <laughs> and then you have Ronan, the proverbial asshole. Be a little nice. I can't be nice. <laughs> no, I love Ronan. Uh, Ronan's our other cat. We got him a little bit after Moo. He's a big cat. He's a beefy boy. He's about a 14-pounder. And he's not... I mean, he's chubby, don't get me wrong, but he's not obese-obese like I've seen some cats. But he just gets into some shit all the fucking time. No matter how nice you want to treat him or how many treats you want to give him, he is always up to some bullshit. Like, the difference is Moo is the kind of cat that would find the glass and look at you as she, like, pushes it off the table and, like, almost smile to herself. Ronan would accidentally hit that glass off while he's trying to figure out how he can steal the zip tie and run away. Or he's just literally heavily breathing next to me anytime cheese or lunch meat is present. Also true. (laughs) Ronan is what I would consider for a cat an absolute unit. Um, (laughs) I have previously described Ronan as kind of like like a sausage casing if you put way too much meat in it like it looks like he's gonna <laughs> pop that thing is See, he's a solid he's, cat he's not that he's fat no he's, oh, he's not he's not fat, fat. he's just insanely yeah. solid yeah, i was gonna say solid. i was actually worried about it because he's so heavy right so when i took him to the vet i was like look what do we need to do here and the vet literally goes this cat is muscular <laughs> i was like oh okay cool <laughs> so i would say like he is Big boned. Yeah, he's big yeah, boned. Yeah. Big boned. He's not heavy. We're not like bordering at all bordering on like some sort of animal cruelty here. So that don't Steve, send your letters in. No, that Steve might have said that. No, I'm saying he's a, a unit. Like, the he's way you're describing him is like we filled him with cat casing. food until well, he was about to burst. That might be true. Yeah, yeah, true. you did that pretty good, to be honest. I thought it but, was. There's another dog in the mix. We got another dog in the mix. Yes. Give me that beak knowledge. So our dog Beaker is a Wheaton Terrier. And if you've ever met a Wheaton Terrier, you know his personality. He loves everyone and everything to the max. And everything is so very exciting. You walk in the door. He's jumping and greeting you and so excited and running back and forth. Uh, Has to say hi to everyone. If we have people over, he has to have everyone pet him. Even if you're not really a big dog person, he'll come up to you, probably jump on you, which we're still working on, and then he'll lean real hard or he'll jump up on the couch next to you and stare at you and then start to bat at you if you don't pet him and then aggressively lick. 
Beaker literally has a wetter beard than a drunken dwarf. It's crazy. It's always it's wet. Crazy. I've never fucking experienced. Look, I love Beaker. I've never experienced him dry. I've never experienced. Like, I swear to God, I've been to your house like a million times. I've never pet that dog, and there wasn't just a random <laughs> moisture somewhere on him. So we do have Beaker with kind of a, not a fully standard Wheaton Terrier cut, like we don't have the hair in front of his eyes, but we do leave his beard a little long, and Beaker likes to lay down whenever he drinks and eats his food, and so that beard just soaks up all of the water, and it is really gross. It's like he must take a drink every five minutes because <laughs> I swear to Christ, I've never, I've what? never ever pet him dry. To be fair, though, like the only time that you've actually like pet him is when after he's been so excited to see multiple people. That's true. In That's true. He's like all over the place or, when yeah. Oh yeah, he like. It's really crazy to to describe the how how much he wants to see every person, and it is equally every person that he sees, and so every person gets a very like about like one point one second of attention, and then it is on to the next person that is probably well, it's ridiculous, but about the farthest away at the time and so it is a diameter of the circle of any like group of people yeah, he's, 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 he's all the time we love him for it he is fantastic we actually took him to campus today loves loves people loves other dogs but brooks what murderer would he be yeah i think we we all need to have this Got to cast these fucking animals as the uh, murderers of Harriston. So think, I think Emily's the best one to do it because I could never cast our dog as uh, a murderer. Let uh, let Emily do that. Okay. Good job throwing your wife under the bus. <laughs> so we have the five murderers. Have. We have the Lopper, the Piper Vilmar, the Mosswater Marauder, Father Charlatan, and the Splatter Man. And we just described all of our animals' personalities. What are you thinking, Emily? I've actually given this a bit of thought. I had trouble placing Beaker as an evil character because he loves so much. Beaker's Vissoriana. Cop out. So I didn't. I picked one. I picked Gross. one. I thought Beaker would most closely be Father Charlatan because he wants everyone to be like part of his group if we're going on a walk or someone like leaves the door he has to go check to make sure that they come back no one's leaving him for good he like wants his little group all together and i, feel I love like that casting i think so I think true it is so true that he really Beaker does really well oh my goodness if anyone could actually see how beaker absolutely hates when one of us walks out the door and the other one of us does not it is a look back every two seconds, and at the same, like it's like if you almost have to go to the bathroom, but you're also looking back at your like group of friends to see if they're coming with. Coming every with two the, seconds. How many does? How often does this uh, this look happen to you, Brooks? Are you you oh, often like, like for Beaker looking for your friends? 
as you go to the bathroom. Well, I mean, you might as well think about it in like in a bar stance, but like as far as beaker goes, it goes all the time. But as far as a bar, like in a bar, how often that we are all together and then I'm looking back at you guys to uh, to see if uh, you're all coming with me. I I I wouldn't actually do that because I I don't expect you guys to come to the bathroom. With no, me. we cross yeah, swords all the time. time. Nice, um, Haley. We, we got four more murders. Haley, we do. <laughs> I think you're the authority on our pets. Although I also am an authority, but I'd like to hear your take on where you think the pets fall in terms of murderers of Harrowstone. Yeah. So uh, starting with the girls, Marcy is. 100% the smartest animal we have. Oh, obviously. She's the splatter man. Yeah, I Great. get that. She's absolutely. I mean, if, go, you're go, if you're going on smarts, for sure. She is extremely smart. And she's the boss cunning. of everything, just like the splatter man. She's pretty good looking, though. She's good looking on a lot. Well, like, I mean, what for a dog, she, like, she looks good. Hey, what does that have to do with the splatter man, by the way? I picture the splatter man, like, looking, like, pretty good, though. Just based on like the command, of I love all where of the metal pictures go. <laughs> I love it. We'll, we'll unpack that at a later episode. <laughs> what I like? I mean, like, I mean, a charisma level of. Uh, God, I love okay, it. I love mind. it. Never mind. Never mind. No, I thought it was just interesting. <laughs> she looks good. Like she's a good-looking dog, and I think that no, like the I get that the interest. Okay, from from shocked. a splatter man, the from a splatter man that looks like that is very intelligent. Not necessarily the fact that, like, he has charisma, but, like, I see the character looking relatively decent in the, like, in the instance that he is commanding a lot of, uh, I guess, the at least the five prisoners in this instance. Yeah, I mean, did you guys completely miss that exposition where I was like, the splatter man comes out of the oubliette and he is hot as fuck. Fuck. Nothing. Can- You've never seen anyone hotter than this guy. <laughs> Nothing conveys sexual attractiveness more than the word splatter. <laughs> so, right. color spray. So, so you have this super sexy dog that is going to be this super sexy murderer. Wow. Screw, screw me, going. right? Just really just put me up there for really, really just put it out there. So. I then, uh, Moo is our other female animal. Um, so I have her as the Piper of Ilmarsh. Um, so she does, so she can't actually hear herself, but she does a lot of chirps. And realistically, although she's not like super active in trying to control the entire household, she does try to, she tries, does try to control the rest of the animals, similar to the way like the Piper controls all the Sturges. Okay, that's fair. I mean, the chirps get me. It's the she doesn't meow like a cat. No, she, she, she doesn't chirps. know how. But <laughs> she like doesn't know how to meow. What so happens when you're a deaf cat, I guess. Yeah, um, and then I have Finn as the lopper just because I feel like he is a ball of chaos. Mainly because he could do the most damage to an actual physical yeah. one of us. He is literally <laughs> just a ball of chaos. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't I, know, though. I do. I do agree with Finn being the lopper in the fact that anyone that walks through the door is like i guess a- attacked either with happiness or uh i don't know whatever you protective whatever anxiety yeah, yeah. protective <laughs> anxiety that finn is he he attacks 
me with absolute happiness, I like to think. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, so then uh, that actually defaults Ronan to Mosswater Marauder. Um, because I definitely, he is, he's not Father Charlatan. So No, I mean, he's clearly not Father Charlatan. You made a good point earlier about him being, like, super attached to you. Yeah. That might, I think that kind of plays well with the Mosswater Marauder. So he collects trash on the regular. Um, <laughs> it's like, just like the Mosswater Marauder with pieces of skull. It, right. It checks out. He, exactly. collects, he collects trash on the regular. He's our trash cat. Um, I mean, he is a trash cat. Don't don't be mean. And he adores me to death. He was on the brink of death when he was uh, when he was very very little. And now uh, I feel like if something were to happen to me, he'd go around trying to collect a piece of my skull, like his trash collections. I'm pretty weird. sure studies show that if something happens to you in your house and you have cats, they yeah, actually yeah, they'll eat, eat him. You. They'll eat. They'll eat. All right. So <laughs> <laughs> moving on. Moving right along. Great. So Steve, speaking, Steve, where's that transition there? Like, what's your best, like your best transition there? So speaking of consuming one thing and turning it into something else, as a cat would consume a dead human and convert it into energy and fecal matter, um, we have this other question from a high five from Brooks. That was good. Uh, we have this other question from a, another user on our Discord, Liquidarity. Uh, his question is, would y'all roll on the official or unofficial table for an in-show reincarnation? Easy answer. I'm not going to fuck around. Unofficial. Moving on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You're not the GM. But yeah. But uh, yeah. Easy yep. answer. Unofficial. Yep. Um, but this is the one that really gets me going. Follow up. Best and worst case reincarnations for the cast. Brooks, what's the best case and worst case reincarnation off the unofficial table for Ickmer? I'm pretty sure... A gnome would be awful for Ikmer. Am am I not wrong in that? I mean, they have low strength, but they have con, and they have, uh, I think, charisma. I think they're con and charisma. But see, I, I think that's exactly where Ikmer would, well, I guess the, the mind of Ikmer would go absolutely wrong in that they... The fact that the character would somehow speak out in all the wrong times. Yeah, it it just seems it just seems poor in all instances. I could be it's being I could see it being shitty because they kind of have these like innate magical abilities that Igmer would have no idea how to control and that kind of stuff. It'd be fun, it'd be fun roleplay, but yeah, it would definitely be terrible as a as a gnome armor master fighter, what are you going to be? Basically a little ball of steel. Exactly. And he's so small that it wouldn't really make sense. But best character reincarnation, I think, if obviously not a half-orc, I think a dwarf would be relatively similar to his uh, style type. Yeah, I mean, you know, dwarves are definitely the kind of people that would like wade into battle in heavy armor not bothered at all by the weight of heavy armor I think that's definitely a good pick definitely definitely Haley what do you got for me yeah so best for Eclipse would be a a fetchling oh that's a great pick yeah yeah just like one from one like kind of shadowy 
creature to like another, I feel like that would fit really well story wise, as well as it would fit well with like my, my, some of my play. Although I'd probably become a little bit more spellcaster than I would, than I currently am, just because fletchings are more dex than strength. So there's a little bit of that, but I feel like that would be the best one. The worst, I mean, to me, is just Android. That just. <laughs> oh, yeah, off, on that man. table. On like, that table. <laughs> it's really tough to be something like a like an occultist and emotion-based caster as an android really right. doesn't play well at all. That's what I was thinking. Like, that's just a total, total opposite. Like, I would I love to have an android in the party. If one of you wants to come back with a backup that's an android, I'll fucking allow it. I don't give a fuck if it's Wait a minute. Scary you can be an android yeah, in there's Starfinder? Like, there's in Pathfinder. Ah, oh, Pathfinder. Ah, blah, blah, blah. You can. Those, those weird races are kind of, they're not in the advanced race guide they're in some of the b series as like a playable race but they're just like out there and some people allow it and some people don't but i love fucking anything so interesting emily what you got best case scenario for lyra would be merfolk obviously oh god <laughs> it's pretty like, damn perfect. close why did why did we even ask you Merfolk I know. Perfect. that's all i was thinking yep yep i mean anything with a swim speed she'd probably be happy with but like how could she not be a mermaid under the see me after class damn <laughs> that uh, was great <laughs> for her worst reincarnation it would be something with low charisma because that's what she uses for casting like a dwarf or something that's incompatible with water so like something fire-based like an ifrit that would be terrible yeah i would love to see that play out it would be some fun lira like i really like the water except that it extinguishes my lifeblood and it sucks (laughs) also that part happens yeah that that'd be interesting gameplay for sure well for matumbe um i think basic best case scenario off that unofficial table I looked through it, and maybe I'm a little biased because we've been playing a whole lot of Starfinder lately, but I saw Lashunta was on there, and I love that the way Pathfinder and Starfinder do Lashuntas is a little different. In Pathfinder, um, males of the species are like stockier, where females of the species are smarter and more charismatic well, and they're taller like and the better looking. Demaya and Karasha or something like something that. Something like that, yeah. I think like they're they're a dimorphic species. They're really cool. Yeah. And in Starfinder they've evolved to the point where you can choose. Yeah, in, in Pathfinder basically your physical characteristics are based off of your sex, but in uh, Starfinder it you could be one or the other, but either sex. Anyway, um, I think it would be really cool for Matsumbe to come back as a Lashunta kind of point being because one it fits pretty well with what he is he's kind of a fish out of water so to have this literal alien race um would be very interesting rp for him and also with the the fact with the the way this lushinta society is set up in pathfinder where it's dimorphic between the the two sexes um he comes from a tribe that is matriarchal so i think that would be fun rp like he would fit it would be very thematic is kind of where I'm going with that. Yeah, no, I, li- I like that a lot. I think with the matriarchal society, I'm not positive because I haven't read about Lashantas in Pathfinder really, mm-hmm. but I'm pretty sure like they're the 
intelligence, charisma, like leaders yeah, of society, right. and the males are the strength, charisma, warriors of society. I think you're and right. And so that's kind of cool. I mean, it fits right in with like the way Matumbe's tribe would have operated. Yeah. Female Lashantos are actually described as beautiful and commanding. There so, you go. Yeah. And also, Lushenta have limited uh, telepathy, so Matumbe could just kind of walk around and implant ideas of balance and phrasma in people's minds. Um, But moving on past that, I think if Matumbe were to come back, my least uh, favored reincarnation is actually the same as Brooks. It's Gnome, but maybe for a little slight different uh, Okay, I understand that you hate Gnomes, but give me a moment. (laughs) Let me tell you. (laughs) Let me tell you. Matumbe would get the bleaching immediately. Yeah, and anybody that knows anything about gnomes is that they have, to, you know, as they're they're a fae race that have to be curious. They have to act out. They have to learn new things and be different and explore. explore. Adventure. That's why there's so many gnome adventures because they're constantly seeking that like new exactly experience and that like that different perspective. They 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 live like you know through pushing boundaries and Matumbe is. A man by the book. He's a man by the word. He knows what he knows, and he it just wouldn't fit really well. He would get the bleach and would die. He's got about a thousand pages that define his entire life, and that's it. That's pretty much it. But you guys shouldn't hate gnomes. They're pretty cool. Yeah. And so that's all the players. Uh, Griffin, if you died in real life and were able to reincarnate off the table. Well, let's just go Horace. Oh, really? Like, oh, yeah, really? Yeah. Like, yeah. If Horace really, were really to die, wow, you really caught me up. I, I shouldn't have done that to you. I shouldn't That's have done fine. That to no, you. no. If Horace were to die, um, and I'm taking this from a pure GM perspective because that's what I am, I would want Horace to come back as a fucking bugbear because his intelligence and his wisdom and his charisma are all insanely fucking high, and he's really old, and so his physical stats are garbage. But when he comes back in that fucking bugbear body, all his stats are going to be glorious. And Watch he's going to destroy towns with his power, his tinkering power. And just the RP of being a bugbear fucking planner, or even a goblin. I think a goblin would be really good for him because he's such a tinkerer person as he yeah. is. Like It just, like, that infused with the way, like, goblins are would be really fun to roleplay. But uh, worst for Horace, oof. I mean, probably an Oread. Like, something like like the, the, the rock elemental people. I, I just think that that would be something that, like, isn't really... I mean, he loves milk. Milk comes from mammals. And he doesn't need any help getting hard. Yeah, he doesn't need any help getting hard. Fuck you, Viagra. Wow. All right. No hope uh, from any of the players there. <laughs> yeah, sorry for springing, uh, springing that on you. But oh, you no, no worries. Um, we are pushing up against time. I know what. I had a lot of fun tonight. Oh, yeah, blast. To wrap this all up, Brooks, Emily, Haley, thank you so much for coming on the show again. Obviously, you're coming back. But in the meantime, is there anything you want to say to our fans right now? Oh, uh, absolutely. We love every every one of you. And we, you know, I personally ask, uh, I think I ask a lot of you guys, even though I don't ask very much on the Discord, but every single time you guys come in clutch and it's it's just heartwarming. It's just heartwarming. And I, 
I need it every single time, and you guys mean mean the most to me. Yeah, I mean, I just wanted to say thank you to everyone. I I love having to uh, or being able to talk about these kind of questions. I really love all the feedback. It's awesome, awesome, awesome to hear from people all over the world. Yeah, thank you all for these awesome questions. I had so much fun thinking about answers for all of them, and hopefully you enjoy the answers we gave. Steve, I have a little to say at the bottom of the app. I really wanted to give a huge thank you to the Blind Rat, Wheeler Woe, GM extraordinaire. Oh, my God, dude. He sent us literally maps of major cities in Ustalov, the entire Ustalov map. This shit, I don't know where you can buy it. I don't know how you can buy it. He had this and he sent it to us and it's the coolest stuff. I think this is all getting framed in our game room because it's awesome. We have like Lepidstat and Califest. You guys are going to go to these places and now we have like these awesome maps, like full map of the city that we can just you know, put in a frame, toss it up on the wall. They look awesome. Thank you so much, Joey. This love the, you, dude. This is the first time hearing of it, and I can't wait. I love these type of maps. I love every single bit of it. Well, we're about to pull them out as soon as this episode ramps up. This guy, the blind rat, I love you, Joey. If you're not, if you're not Joey, and you're not listening to Wheeler Woe, you're doing yourself a disservice. That is a very fun podcast. Those guys are doing two e right. And then I just have one more. Go right ahead, buddy. For our very special good boy, Jason Lillis. Oh, the best. Dude, we love you. A very happy birthday from the Hideous Laughter crew. You're the best man. You've done a lot for our podcast, and we absolutely love having you as a fan and having you as a friend. Thank you so much. And you know what? To all of the carrying crowd... And to Brooks, to Emily, to Haley, to Griffin, maybe even to myself, you succeeded. You will save. You made it out of the zone of truth. Finish your drinks. We'll see you in two weeks. Later. I knew it. <laughs>